Not a Disney Movie is an exploration of animated movies not made by Disney. It contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Not a Disney Movie. This week we watched... The Last Unicorn. Yay, by Rankin and Bass, who if you're US based... You might know from doing stop motion holiday specials. Do you want to go to your structure? Well, my first point of structure was the story. What is the story, Paul? Uh, the story is about a unicorn who is chilling in a forest, and then some gossipy humans come in and say, Oh, I think all the unicorns are gone. And this unicorn has a bit of a crisis going, I don't know, all the unicorns are gone. Where are all the unicorns? Why am I doing a unicorn? And then this really annoying butterfly comes in and starts jabbering on about utter nonsense, which then somehow pressurizes the, this unicorn in going into a trip to try and find all the other unicorns. Then shenanigans happen, and then... The... That's, the, that's the story. That's all you need to know. Well, yeah, I suppose that is the story. Unicorn yeah. goes to find other unicorns. Shenanigans happen. She thinks that she's the last. Um, and... More than that, I would say the movie is about <laughs> existential crises, um, the inevitability of death. Um, Although not for the unicorn because the unicorn the... is immortal. Yeah, but like the... Well, that's... But then the unicorn learns about mortality and it's like, oh, this is awful! I'm going to blow your mind right here, Paul. Okay. Although the movie is about a unicorn and it's called The Last Unicorn... I don't think the movie is about unicorns. Oh, no. I think it's about humans. You, you've you've found some some level of thematic. Um, it wasn't fucking hard to find. A I, level it of was. Thematic. It was lost on me as per usual. She becomes for briefly in the movie. She, but briefly. You say briefly about half the movie. Okay, she becomes a human, and due to her being um, a human. When she eventually transforms back into a unicorn, which, spoil, spoil, spoiler alert, she transforms back into a unicorn, um, she retains some of, like, the mortality. She, of, she remembers being human, I believe. Is yeah, and thus learns how to regret and how to love. And um, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my point it's like earlier. Like, she's the only unicorn that knows what it's like to be mortal. So he's just really annoyed about it. See, when you say your earlier point, what? When are when are you referring to? When did you say? When I said like the unicorn gets me more, then he's sad about oh, it. Oh, is that what? Resents that it, yeah. I have some questions for you. Oh god. Number one, what do you think? What do I think? Yeah. About this movie. Yeah. It's weird. Um, I think it suffers from some pacing issues. You suffer. Uh, this is this is going to be bad. This is going to be like Charlotte's Web all over again. <laughs> I tell you what, it doesn't look as cheap as Charlotte's Web. That's because it's fucking not as cheap. It looks fucking amazing. Well, apparently the budget was about three million dollars, and it made about five million. It did not do well. Yeah, but it's a cult classic. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that impression that it is a cult classic, and I well, can see why. Well, when you cause... say you get that impression, that's because it is. Well, that is a fact. All right, but 
it's it's of that period. It came out like the same year as The Dark Crystal of like where eighties kids movies were just weird and creepy. Yeah. And this movie has some weird and creepy stuff in it. Oh yeah. Like notably the harpy that has is kind of like a vulture with boobs, like human boobs. Three boobs. At least. There are no, there are, th- there are five boobs total in this movie. That brings me on to my second question, which right. was, is this a kid's movie? Uh, to some degree, yeah. It has uh, substance abuse. The skeleton drinks some wine. I mean, granted, the wine is invisible and he only thinks he's drinking it, but he's like, Give A me skeleton that imagines getting drunk and you're classing that as substance abuse. Yes. <laughs> I've become very... um. Old-fashioned in my old sure, age. Sure, sure, sure. And, and that's too much for me. Yeah, hang on. We haven't covered the other weird aspect, which is the tree that smothers well, yeah. the wizard in its breasts because for some, for some reason the tree has boobs. That's accounting for two of the five boobs in the movie. And is in love with Schmedrick. They could have cut that so easily. That little bit. And when it started, when it went into the scene, so for context... Um, one one of the heroes of the quest, Schmendrick, who is a wizard, tries to um, uh, magic his way out of his... He's captured by being tied to a tree and his spell goes wrong and what he does is turns... Or like makes the tree into a woman. Yeah. Um, the tree comes to life. Yeah, Schmendrick, the ship magician, as he is known. Yeah. Um, he is therefore tied to a tree that... For some reason, him. tied to... As in any movie when you tie someone to a tree, you tie them to the tree so their back is against <laughs> the tree. <laughs> Except in this instance, where they tie him so that his face his is against the tree, and then somehow then becomes smothered in the tree's bosoms. Yeah. I hate that bit. It's just weird. They could just... Go f- yeah, the reason I brought it up is because they could have just... It would have been so easy to just snip that bit out. It adds nothing to the storyline. It lasts about 20 seconds in total, but negatively... Well, I I think it does actually reinforce one of your ideas about the theme, which is like, the tree is like saying how much it loves Smedrick and will always remember him because trees are like immortal or whatever or live for a long time. There's lots of lovely little lines in this film that that just speak to a, a universe that I want to know more about. Yeah, it is a very... I will say that, like, the world building is quite strange and interesting and but leaves a lot to the imagination because, like, it's it's because it's, like, an older animated movie. It's quite short, it's concise and arguably plot hole-y. <laughs> Fucking no. Incorrect. Wrong. All right, well, it leaves what a lot... Plot? It leaves a lot of things unexplained. Like what? Why is there a pirate cat? All right, okay. <laughs> you didn't like the pirate cap? I love the pirate cap, but I was very confused by it. Why do you need to know why he's... Pla- I mean, he had a peg leg and an eye, an eye patch. Covering an eye that didn't actually require a patch. Yeah. This is what... <laughs> twist. <laughs> Plot twist. And also mm. because he says something about, like, a cat is never quite what it seems. And the cats can <sighs> sure. never give you a straight answer. Yeah, which I mean, fair, but that's that's true. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Cats can't give you any answer, Paul. They have no power of speech. Yeah, but even if they could, they wouldn't give you a straight answer. Well, that's that's, um, yes. Okay. <gasps> Next, new questions. Um, I just wanted to point out on the topic of is this a kids' movie? 
it's very scary and this film came out in 1982 and in 1984 they invented a new film rating classification which was PG-13 yes. and arguably this <laughs> had it existed yeah. it's got PG-13 written all over it yeah there's a but I, th I feel like if that rating had have existed at the time they would have then made this a, a, a not a PG-13 movie. They would have skewed it younger sure. and got rid of all the weird boob parts. So when I was doing my research about this movie, um, I read somewhere, and I didn't write it down, which is annoying, that in like early production times of making this movie, it wasn't intended to be a kid's movie. Okay. Which makes a lot of sense, given that there is, like a woman gets ripped apart by a bird. Um, yeah, you don't see that really, but like it, it is just, yeah, it's creepy. Not a bird, One harpy. day that harpy will kill me. She's and well up for dying as well. Filled. She's like, bring it, harpy! I'll take you on! She's really, yeah, she, she wants to go down in the legend as the woman who captured a harpy. Yeah. And she knows that that will result in her death, but she's okay with that because of the fame that it will give her, which is a messed up. Yeah, there's a lot about people's legacy in this, in, in terms of like, like that immortality sort of stuff, and like wanting to live on past your life. There's a lot of that sort of chatter in this movie. In this, yeah, this movie. Yeah. Final question for you, Paul. Yep. Is this movie an anime? Um, I would say I know what you're going to say there, because I, I look, I I found this out as well. So, rank ranking a bass. What they did was they outsource the production of their movies to a Japanese company called Topcraft, and then Topcraft basically did the animations for this movie. So arguably, it is an anime, um, and hence why it is so beautiful. Well, you say beautiful, I say weird looking, and I do like the weird looking bits, like Mommy Fortuna and like the kind of human characters are pretty gross and weird looking. I don't actually like the overall design of the unicorn. Like, I feel like it's a bit... So at, the, at the intro to the movie, we see a tapestry kind of come to life a little bit. And that tapestry is the hunt of the unicorn. Yeah. It's quite a famous tapestry that I had never heard of. Um, and I feel like they've actually taken a lot of design cues from that for the unicorn. It comes back again later when... Um... The unicorn gets transformed into a princess and she stands in front, in front of a tapestry and sings a dr truly dreadful song about becoming a woman. Yeah, I zoned out on a lot of the songs. Like, the songs didn't, didn't land for me at all. And there's only a few of them, really. But like, the ones like the, the, you know, the sort of... The, the songs that America do... Um... Are fucking brilliant. <laughs> they are wonderful. They are atmospheric. They take me to a different land. A land that has both... American jangly 1970s guitars, but also is medieval Europe. Yep. Um, I want to live in that world. That's where I belong. Sure. I want to cast off this. Well, thing. so um, I believe Ninja Sex Party, who are a band, yeah. uh, did a cover of The Last Unicorn. I w and it's on Beat Saber, which is why I'm charging my VR thing. I want to try and find it. Ah, okay. Yeah, I listened to it last night once you've gone to bed. Okay. Have you listened to it? To what? The, 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 his version of the Oh, the Ninja Sex Play version. Yeah. No, no. I listened to it last night and it's got some synth oh, that I greatly enjoyed. <laughs> I have, I mean, for full disclosure, I do have the Last Unicorn soundtrack on my iPod. Okay. Um, 
So I'm quite well acquainted with yeah, these okay, songs. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, like the opening, like the main sort of title theme is is the best one, I think. Well, apparently the songs were done before the animation, so oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so actually, in some of the scenes where it like references particular things, like and the magpie flies away and does whatever, <laughs> like. Then they, oh, they're like, oh, well, let's stick a magpie in there, they're guys. They're the eagle. They sing about the last eagle flies. Yeah, they do that as well. Um, they and they shove an eagle in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. They shove a fountain in there to rhyme with mountain. Yeah. Um, so all of this stuff, they were, the animators were like, well, we'll definitely stick that in. Um, can I tell you something else about the animation? Yeah. Um, so I haven't read the book. I did go online. I quite fancied reading the book, actually, mm-hmm. after I'd seen the movie. It's based on a book yep. by Peter... S. Beagle, mm-hmm. who is still alive yep. and has apparently produced loads and loads Tons of things. Yeah. Um, none of which I've read. None of which I've read. Um, but apparently, <laughs> the thing with the harpy having three breasts mm-hmm. is not in the book. That was a decision made by the right, animators. Okay. I just wanted to point that out because that it was so fucking weird. And I had actually forgot, I, I remembered, because I, I saw this movie years ago when I was a kid, and I remember the tree, um, despite the fact it only takes about 20 seconds of the film's running time, but it's burned into my memory in mm-hmm. quite an uncomfortable way. And thinking about it as a kid, just it feels so like, confusing. Yeah, like, it feels like just, one of those things that as a kid you watch it and you, you go, I'm too young to understand yeah. this, this is scaring me. Yeah, it, it's that fear, like, fear definitely, something is sort of uncanny and unpleasant about it but the harpy i mean i knew the harpy was supposed to be scary so it was scary anyway mm-hmm. and um well it's floppy tits coming that's, at you. it's just gross and weird and yeah why um can i please tell you a little bit of the background of the animation yeah please do um so Mr. Beagle, who wanted to make his, uh, apparently, so the the book came out, I think, in sort of, I think it was 60, 68, something like that. Yeah, 68, that sounds right. Um, And there had always, apparently, been discussions about making it into a movie, always an animated movie. Mm -hmm. He was never, it didn't even enter his head to make it into a live action movie. Mm -hmm. But um, he didn't really have much to do with shopping it to various different production companies he had a sort of manager i guess manager is probably not the right word but like a person in charge of that yeah um and they went off to all these different companies including disney and um one of the one of the people they approached or actually who approached them were the creators of the peanuts cartoons like charlie brown and all that stuff okay and um in a really there's a really good interview with um mr beagle I'm going to stop calling him Mr. Beagle because it makes him sound like he's like a, a, a man-dog thing. <laughs> Peter Beagle. Uh, Peter Beagle went to some sort of a dinner party that had um, the Peanuts people at it. Mm-hmm. And one of the wives, this is a, a like second-hand story reported yeah, yeah. by um, uh, Peter Beagle in an interview. He says that one of the wives of one of the men who, uh, like quite high-up men who is a Peanuts animator, <laughs> said... Don't let them do it. Don't let us do it because we won't. We won't be given that up. Oh. And that's like part of the reason why they didn't go with the peanuts people, which I think is fairly damning. But I thought mm. that was quite interesting. Um, 
Oh, when we looked up the movie, yeah. we, could, we had to. We've got it on Amazon in the end. Um, but it's on YouTube for free. Yeah, we go discovered that afterwards. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. If you want to watch this movie, go ahead and just watch it on on YouTube because mm-hmm. Amazon is is bad for the world. Um, but you noticed what well, we both saw that it had ITV's logo on it. Yeah. And so we thought maybe it would be available on ITV. For some reason, ITV own the Last Unicorn. What the rights yeah. to it? Yeah. In so like the, when in what globally or oh, I don't UK? fucking know. Okay. Globally, probably. But like, so I was reading about Rankin uh, Bass mm-hmm. and they like just, they don't really exist they anymore. They don't exist anymore. Yeah. I think they officially died in 2001 or something. Yeah, all of basically what they made sort of pre-1974, I think, belongs to Universal slash DreamWorks. Right. And then everything after 1974 belongs to Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Except for The Last Unicorn, which is owned by ITV. I don't wow. really know why that is. Clearly, like, someone high up in ITV was just like, we can get a rise to that. I love that, that movie. movie. I remember they were that like movie. Me. I love that movie, yeah. Um, I had also pointed out in my notes that you were talking about Topcraft earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they don't exist anymore. They were bought by Disney, so that's the Disney link there for you. Mm-hmm. And they are now called um, like Walt Disney in Japan or something like this. Well, that's not what I understood. Oh. What I understand was, so also we may have cut this bit out of the intro because we did the intro twice now. Uh, uh, <laughs> when I said mentioned Topcraft. So yeah, so Rankin and Vass outsourced their animation to a Japanese company called Topcraft and Topcraft um, so Topcraft, as I understood it, actually got bought out by what would become Studio Ghibli. Incorrect. Okay. This is what happened. The company got bought by Disney. Yeah. The animators went on to become Studio Ghibli. Ah. So that's the distinction. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, because that, that, that obviously is a very different art style to... Well, the first movie they did was like Nausicaa, which obviously a very different art style to anything... Did we watch yes. Nausicaa? Uh, I think we watched Nausicaa, yeah. I feel like that's what I mean, I've seen it times, was... but I, I think I, I was one of the ones I made you watch. So well, I, I, I didn't want to watch them. I didn't... It wasn't like you forced me to, but I definitely found that Nausicaa, if it's the one that I'm thinking of... It's the one with the giant bugs. Yeah, I thought that one was really boring. Oh, I liked it. No, I liked... I guess I liked the more um, younger ones, I think. You like uh, Kiki's? Yeah, and Totoro. Um, I think that's really all I have to say about the animation things. Okay. Unless you've got something more that you would like to add. Uh, I mean, I've got lots of weird bits and notes. There's stuff that I made, but let's just follow your structure and then I'll see if there's anything we don't cover. Okay, because my um, next section is Natalie's Fun Trivia. Okay. Right. We were talking about Lord of the Rings. Yep. Peter Beagle. No, wait, that's wrong. <laughs> no, that's wrong. What's the, what's the Lord of the Rings song? Do, 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 no, that's not it. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah, okay, we'll cut so, that out. Um, copyright. <laughs> um, Peter Beagle. Peter Beagle. He, in addition to writing the book and screenplay for The Last Unicorn, 
He also wrote the screenplay for The Hobbit, The Animated Hobbit. No, for The Animated Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant, sorry. Yeah, which is, I don't like that at all. It's terrible, I think. Oh, have so. you watched it? Yeah, my brother had it on DVD. It's not good. So the Rankin and Bass did a Hobbit movie. Move me? <laughs> <laughs> Rankin and Bass did a Hobbit movie and did a Return of the King movie separate to the Lord of the Rings movie. That was a different company. It just so happens that Peter Beagle wrote the screenplay for that Lord of the Rings movie. That's fucking Which was also weird. animated, but it was like by that guy that did all that weird animation stuff that I don't like, like um, uh, heavy metal and things like that. I can't remember the guy's name. It's bad, anyway. Alright. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and watch the Lord of the Rings animated movies by myself. Then. Sure, yeah. Please do. I'm definitely not joining you on that journey. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> Other parts of Natalie's fun trivia? Well, Lord of the Rings. Yep. Um, also has Christopher Lee in it. Yes. So, Christopher Lee has been in three of the three movies that make up my personality right they are the last unicorn yeah lord of the rings trilogy yeah and the wicker man okay you yeah. combine all those movies this i am what comes out of those all right oh joy interesting fact about Chris, mr christopher lee that i also got from this interview with peter beagle where yeah. he was just talking about <laughs> how he retrospectively really liked what they did with the movie but was really sort of protective over it mm -hmm. at the time yeah which is like a running theme a lot of um like authors authors and, just yeah. are like automatically dislike what people do oh yeah they're like do. don't murder my baby and then the and then they murder their baby murdered, yeah um but he was talking about how christopher lee when he came in to do his um his recordings he had a copy of the book and had like all and notes written in it and little bits of paper sticking but out. That a consummate coffee. professional. But the, they said the same thing about him with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings yeah, and yeah. he always talks about how he reads the... Did you know I read Lord of the Rings every year? Yeah. I, I remember him telling that story a lot in the Lord of the Rings, like, behind the scenes stuff. Which... I always thought I could play Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, um... like... I love you, Christopher Lee. I really, truly do. But you couldn't have played Gandalf because no. you're the scariest looking man. Yeah, particularly like the, the age you got to as well. He's like, um, can I tell you another fun Christopher Lee fact? Yeah. So in the German dub for this movie, yeah, Christopher Lee did all his own lines as well. Like, I love him. Him. He apparently he's fluent in German and just did all the German for it. Because I watched, I watched a German interview with him where he's just talking about. He's like, so I'm in here in Berlin doing what we call dubbing and I'm doing it for what we used to call a cartoon but it's called an animated feature it's just oh, great please can there not be any problematic things about Christopher Lee that come to light because I just really <laughs> need it I need a man <laughs> to believe in um, yep. <clears throat> okay I said that um Paul. Yes. What does this The Last Unicorn movie have in in common with the Black Eyed Peas? What does The Last Unicorn have in common with the Black Eyed Peas? Uh, my humps? Okay, aside from my humps. What <laughs> my lovely lady loves? Um, can I tell you? 
in the year 2014, yeah. Fergie, yeah. Fergalicious, of the... Um, no longer remember the Black Eyed Peas, but yeah. No longer. And her then either husband or boyfriend, whose name mm-hmm. is Josh Duhamel. Duhamel? Sure. I don't know him. Is that important? Yes. Okay. Because they were going to collaborate to make a stage version of the Last Unicorn. Oh, wow. And it didn't happen, I think, largely because, because they broke it's a terrible up. idea? Oh, okay. Sure. No, no, no. At the time... It was a very good idea. (laughs) (laughs) It continues to be a very good idea, and I am going to take over the reins. Right, but, so there's a little bit of of backstory. So um, when The Last Unicorn, so you were talking about how The Last Unicorn didn't make a lot of money when it first came out, but it was a cult hit. So when it, they made a 25th anniversary, like, edition that was out on DVD and was, like, much better quality. Mm -hmm. And that made quite a lot of money because lots of people remembered it and had fond memories. But Peter Beagle didn't make any money from this. Peter Beagle didn't make any money from that. From Um, the DVD? From the DVD. And from, like, any of the, like, the movie being played on TV. And all the amazing merch they did. (laughs) (laughs) I want a a plushie of the harpy. Oh, God. No, you don't. (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, um, So... A legal battle ensued, right. and largely because of a lot of fan pressure, including on behalf of From your man, no, uh, the Game Grumps guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, he also was like quite vocal about it, and huh. since then... When was this? What, was this recently, then? Well, I think it must have been around 2013, Okay. when this yeah. was happening with Fergie, and they were sort yeah. of trying to ensure that he was getting, like, the money that contractually he was entitled to mm-hmm. um because he was being cut out a lot of a lot of it mm-hmm. and as a result of all of that discussion they took the movie on a tour like around the u.s to mm-hmm. all of these like um theaters and and he would be there and like talk about the movie yeah. and how i wish i could have been there i think that would have been a fun and nice thing so like some fan screening kind of thing fan, for fan screenings yeah um and well, so, so he got money off the back of that is yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so I think that fed into, apparently Fergie's just a really big fan of the movie, and sure. she was like, well, if this is sort of coming back, why don't we make it into okay. yeah. a, a stage musical? musical. Yeah. But it never materialised. It sounded like they were quite like serious about it, and they had like some, some money behind Did it. Did you find but... some interviews with like, Fergie talking about it? <laughs> no, I didn't. We should try and do that. I definitely <laughs> will keep looking, because I just... I've, Comparing the musical style of the Black Eyed Peas to The Last Unicorn, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe someone who's really... Well, maybe they just get America to come back and just do the whole thing. Yes. Well, anyway. Can I please tell you um, another fact about the music of this movie? Yeah. Right. We should say that, like, we've said, like, America, <clears> but, like, the, mu- the music in this movie is done by the American rock band America. But it's written by Mr. Jimmy Webb. Okay, who's he? Jimmy Webb wrote a lot of songs, a lot, a lot of songs, mm-hmm. not children's songs, but most famously, perhaps, he wrote MacArthur Park. I don't know, what's that? MacArthur Park um, might be the greatest song ever written. Uh-huh. Um, I think you would know it if you heard it. Right. It was first recorded by Richard Harris, like that Richard Harris, who years later would be Dumbledore. Okay. Um. It was also covered by Donna Summer, right. who loved it. Okay. 
the lyrics to the song. Shall I just read you the lyrics to the song? Sure, sure. Is this still relevant? Like, where are we going with Not this? really, but um, I need you to know this. Okay. The lyrics to MacArthur Park. Yeah. Okay. Written by Jimmy Webb. Okay. Who wrote the songs for The Last Unicorn. Yeah. Here are the lyrics. Oh, I've just, I've just looked up the song. I don't need details of the song. R MacArthur's Park is melting in the dark. All the sweet green icing flowing down. This is the bit you'll know. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it because it took so long to bake it and I'll never have that recipe again. Oh no! You don't know that song? No. Right, well that's another part of like what makes me a human. Um, MacArthur Park. MacArthur the song, Park, Or yeah. the fact that you left the cake out in the rain. fucking ridiculous. And a lot of What's the, the chorus? That's, yeah, that is the chorus. That's the chorus? Someone left the cake out in the rain. How's it, what's the melody? Sing this to me. I'll just play it. Let's get Don somewhere else. I knew you would know the song. I genuinely I... thought it was like a parody song. Yeah, that's what people think. It's fucking not. It's, it's a real deadly song. Deadly serious. And that's the that's link right. between all of so my favourite things in this movie. <laughs> also so the lyrics that guy wrote the lyrics for the songs Last in The Last Unicorn. Which is why they're very literal. Yeah. Okay. Any more trivia? Uh, nope. All right. Shall I, see, shall I see what I've got that we haven't covered? Yeah. All right. Uh, Maybe we will need to cut out the bit where I played Donna Summer because... Well, probably, you probably won't hear it, so you probably lost a bit here. Um, but also... Well, I don't know, because we're not making any money, so it's not like we're cheating Donna Summer out of any proceeds. No, true. But, but well, someone any... might put like a cease and desist, so we'll just, you just have to cut it out. But I am... Um... If we do make any proceeds, then I, I will give them to Donna Summer. Okay. But I'll split them equally between Donna Summer and Peter Beagle, because okay. apparently he's pretty hard up. But not the guy that wrote the songs. Oh, yeah, he's fine. Okay, sure. He wrote some other songs that are apparently really famous that I've never heard right. of. So, uh, this movie yeah. has... it's It kind of starts off like a kind of like journey movie. It feels a bit like... Um, Wizard of Oz, where you're like gathering a posse as you're going. Yes. So the first person is Schmendrick. The... Who is my first? Was my first crush. That's weird. Um, <laughs> Spendrick the magician, who is is it's kind of alluded to in the movie, but apparently in the book, he is he's also immortal, but he's been cursed. Oh. So he because he's such a fuck up and such a shit magician, basically his master was like, okay, well I'm just gonna make you immortal so you can get good at some point. <laughs> So, because at some point, I think the unicorn asks, in the movie asks Schmendrick how old he is, and he says, like, oh, I've been around a long time. Oh. Like, he doesn't specify. Like, it's just kind of, like, alluded to. I like So I that. thought that was kind of weird and interesting. Um, can I tell you that Schmendrick's name is derived from a Yiddish word that means, like, hopeless bungler? <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, other things I thought were weird about this movie. So, as they're going, this, again, this, it happens like the events happen different in the book, but... Again, as they're, as they're kind of going on this journey collecting useless people, they uh, they come up, they come across this like band of outlaws led mm -hmm. by Captain Cully, who are kind of meant to be like I guess like Robin Hood and the Merry Men, like they're meant to be this kind of well, outlaw they band. Think in. they're like well, this is the thing, yeah. So there's a whole lot of like this kind of talk about like the the legend and wanting to be like Captain Cully wants to be sort of famous or infamous, yeah. And they all dress kind of in a way that is reminiscent of like Robin Hoodie stuff and then he gets or Schmendrake then conjures up 
made Marion and Robin Hood as kind of like ghosts and they walk through with yeah. like all the other merry men. And then I'm just like, what universe does this exist in? Because yeah. this is like English folklore. Where are we? And like, how is this in the same world where Robin Hood and stuff exists, but also unicorns and dragons and all this other junk exists? Like, they, they, I was just like, is this just like what Americans think of like Europe kind of thing? It was like <laughs> of medieval times. You know how Snoop Dogg thinks that like Game of Thrones <laughs> is history. Um, it's not. I mean, it, I wish it was. I wish season eight never existed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that that was. I just thought that was very strange it that they had weird. a very specific reference to Robin Hood to a thing that we share in reality. Like that is quite weird. Yeah, because it's not like it's like was like something like more general, like I don't know, just like generic dragons or whatever. It's specifically calling out Robin Hood. So I thought that was a bit weird. But also, I think there's a line that we both kind of either misheard or something. But Captain Cully says to like one of them, "Have a taco." <laughs> And we were like, what? Did he say taco? It sounded like he said taco. Why are they having tacos around the campfire? There's no way he says that. I don't know what the fuck else he is saying, though. I'll have to re-watch it on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down, have a taco. <laughs> so, have some yeah. guacamole on it, go on. Yeah. So after that, after They're they... abundant in this forest <laughs> yeah. in the Middle Middle Ages. Yeah, just get your corn, your little corn tortilla out. <laughs> um... So the the next sort of useless person they pick up is Molly Grew. Molly Grew is not useless. She's very good at okay, feeling. Okay, well, potatoes. yeah, she's more useful than fucking Schmendrick, whatever. So after they meet Captain Cully and they kind of like escape him, whatever, then um, Molly Grew meets the unicorn and gets really upset and mad. Yeah, and she's like, "You were meant to visit me," blah blah blah, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And apparently, this was a thing. So I, you haven't mentioned this, but basically. In 2005, Beagle published um, what's called The Lost Journey. Okay, yeah. Which was like the yeah. original draft of The Last Unicorn. Ooh! And that's not it, what I thought you were going to say. Okay, and in it, like, there's just loads of weird stuff. <laughs> like, it's way weirder than the actual Last Unicorn. Yes. And one of the things is apparently unicorns can smell virgins. No, that's not a thing that he invented. That definitely. Oh, that's fact, is it? (laughs) (laughs) That's actually science. (laughs) Everyone knows (laughs) that unicorns can smell virgins. That's what they do when they take you into the doctors and they're like, "Have you been a bad girl? I'll get the unicorn." Um, No, that is like part of unicorn folklore. Like that wasn't invented by him. Sure. Um, They can smell virgins, and they like. There's, like, obviously, with it being folklore, there's, like, different versions of it. But, like, the idea that they only appear to women or, like... Which is why they sort of now have been transmogrified into a sort of LGBTQ um, icon. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of... Rainbow power. Um, yeah. Well, so, interestingly, yeah. My Little Pony came out the same year... As this movie. My Little Pony started in 1982, the same as Last Unicorn. Well, like we have said before on this podcast, Paul, sometimes the collective unconsciousness of the world just generates just things. Unicorns. Demanded unicorns, yeah. demanded movies about animals, yeah. um, demanded movies where friends had sex with each other and then fell in love. It's just everything is... Time is a flat circle. Yeah. Um... Anyway, all Why the unicorns, are you asking for logic from the all movie? the unicorns then come out of the sea, 
And then they all disappear and the castle crumbles. The Did end. you see the unicorns climbing, like, up a vertical side of the bridge and then onto the top of the bridge? Oh, no, I saw that. It's like a steep path. I didn't say that. It's like a... They, like, fully almost go upside down. It was great. Mm. Uh, oh, I did I have some other notes? Said that. So, oh, apparently, uh, you know the annoying butterfly at the start? Yeah. That talks in absolute nonsense. That really, I didn't get what the butterfly was about. But apparently the butterfly was modelled on Beagle, on the ah, author. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, they both have big wings. Mm-hmm. I think that's everything I've got to say about this movie. Did you enjoy watching it, though? I did, yeah. Um, I feel like if it was one of the movies I had watched when I was a kid, I would have like really enjoyed it. I would have been like, yeah, this movie was super cool and super weird and has all stuff in it that I like kind of thing. Um, I think the fact that I've come to it at this age makes me much more like critical of it. But Yeah, I think that's often the case. But when we were watching the Studio Ghibli films, I guess because they all came on Netflix, I think that's why we watched them. Mm-hmm. Um I remember thinking the same thing and I was like, well, I didn't grow up with these movies, so I don't think I'm going to enjoy them that much. But I absolutely did. Like, I completely fell in love with them. Yeah, but I think they're better. Like, well, yeah, better maybe it is just a quality thing, but um, The Last Unicorn very much was like... it. I watched it when I was <laughs> far too young to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a lot... There's some very, very adult themes in there. Um but I could tell that there was something really um, poignant and kind of melancholy about the movie, and that's why it stayed in my head for all these years, and and that's kind of why I like it now. Mm. Um, it there, it's not. It looks very much on the surface, just like a story about a unicorn rescuing others unicorns. Yeah. But as I said, um, it's. I don't really think it's a story about unicorns at all. It's about the nature of being a human and death and love mm. and like. How you have to um, get hurt as part of your journey through life. And, and I also... think it's about unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the songs are banging, and the writer brought us, the songwriter brought us MacArthur Park, which is just an absolute. It. I think what I've discovered in going back over this movie is that what I, the really niche like things that I like are things that are totally batshit like mm-hmm. wicker man and macarthur park but take themselves really seriously like macarthur park and the wicker man yeah that's that's my wheelhouse that's mm-hmm. where i want to live okay. i don't want to live in this world anymore okay will you take me there sure thanks uh do you think this could be a disney movie no absolutely not under any circumstances i think it would definitely have a lot of changes if it were i think you would get to the point of the unicorn becoming human much quicker if it were a disney movie like i just feel like narratively you wouldn't spend half of it with a talking animal and flip it out i feel like it would they would introduce that way quicker i just feel like story-wise story-wise like they would they would change it up Uh, but i feel like it could be a disney movie i feel like it's maybe a movie that would be redone as a live action movie perhaps yeah Maybe they will one day if ITV owns it. Someone should write them a letter. Mm. Maybe it will be me. Mm. Maybe I will ask to be cast as the last unicorn. Yeah. Not the woman version. I want to be the <laughs> horse. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like it's definitely 
I think this is a prime example of a movie that has has poignant differences compared to a Disney movie. I know. Like it, this movie is has five boobs. is visually different and distinct enough from Disney, and like is of that era where you could do you could do that and you could get away with it, and it'd still be like classed as a kids movie. Um, it's definitely not a Disney movie. Well, it fits right in with our podcast then. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. See you, love you, bye. See you, love you, bye. Everywhere. Why can't you put the, put that fucking down? No, uh, this is what the people want to hear. They want to hear me play guitar. Stop this! I hate this.